0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Hope broadcast with your host Susan Brozek and Montel Phillips, myself, and we're excited. It's been a while since we've been on the air, and uh, it's good to be back on with my sister tonight, and we're going to be talking about a topic that affects so many people all different ages, and many times it even starts in their youth and trickles into their adult head. I've been through some of, some of those things myself. But we're going to be talking about healing from the effects of abuse. And Susan's going to be talking tonight and sharing with us. We're going to be uh, addressing how mental and physical abuse affects victims mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Susan will also be discussing IPV, which is intimate partner violence. Um, we're going to be elaborating on some statistics. And also addressing things biblically and God's viewpoint on abuse. And most importantly of all, encouraging people that you can overcome from having post-traumatic stress disorder from abuse or breaking away yes. from abusive situations. So this is going to be a powerful broadcast tonight. And um, I'm going to ask my beautiful sister in Christ, always let the Spirit lead me. Susan, would you lead us off in prayer tonight and then we'll get started and um, really just, I really really want to share from the heart tonight. I feel like this impacts so many lives.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I'd be honored to. Heavenly Father, we just um, ask God for your words to be spoken here tonight, Lord God, across the airwaves. Lord, I pray that everyone listening, Lord God, that um, either is involved in a relationship where they're, they're being harmed or they know someone who is or they're caught in the cycle of abuse, Lord God, on one, one side or the other. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, um, that this this message that, that Montel and I have uh, for them tonight would just resonate in their spirit, Lord God, would bring them hope and healing in their hearts and would offer them tools, Lord God, to be able to get out of these situations that are not of you, Lord God. In fact, they're they're from the other side, the enemy's camp, and so we just pray that um, people's hearts would have fertile soil to hear what seeds are going to be sown, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity. We praise your holy name, God. We pray that you get all glory and honor for everything that's said and done this evening, Lord, and I especially ask for comfort right now, just for comfort and hope awesome. for all those that are listening that have been in abusive situations in the past or are currently are in them, Lord God, I pray
1: that they would know of your
0: nearness, your presence, your comfort, Lord God, everything that you offer them, Lord God, to be able to endure, Lord, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, Lord, and that you give wisdom uh, to know what to do, Lord, especially in situations to get out of uh, a harmful scenario, Lord God, we know that when we seek your faith, Lord, you will direct us and direct our steps. And so I just pray for an extra uh, gracing and your mercy upon those listening, Lord God, especially the ones that are trapped in a, in a cycle of abuse, that this would just be um, the key, Lord God, that they would be able to use to go forward to um, begin to move out of um, situations where they're being harmed, Lord God, and be able to move into their true identity in you, Lord God. And know how to live from a victor and a victorious standpoint uh, versus a victimhood standpoint, Lord God. So we just pray now that you would take this broadcast, use it for your glory. Um, Lord, just uh, ask for your anointing on myself and on Montel, Lord God, as we speak your word. Amen. And we just ask all these things now in your glorious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What a beautiful
1: prayer. And um, I want to remind all of our listeners Um, when we address matters like we're talking about tonight, I like Susan to share her credentials because Susan has great experience in these things. Susan is a licensed, uh, therapist. So whenever she does give advice or she's teaching us on things, Susan has been doing this for many years now. So Susan, if you would care to elaborate Mm -hmm. about your practice and, um, just kind of let people know about what you do and how long you've been doing this. And I'd like people to truly understand that, you know, you're a professional. That's not just two people getting together talking about something. You can do that. But I feel like in matters like this, it's great to have Mm -hmm. someone with your experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Praise God. Um, It's been um, 25 years that I've been in this field. Um, I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist. Um, my, my technical credentials are MSW and LCSW, um, but just in the, in the common parlance, that just simply means um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist. My practice is called Healing Word. I'm the director and founder of that. Um, it's a Christian-based psychotherapy practice, so everything that I do is founded on God's principles, found in his word, and the healing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I've done a lot of uh, speaking engagements and presenting at seminars and teachings. Um, one of the specialties of my practice is helping abuse survivors, um, not just uh, physical and emotional abuse survivors, but sexual abuse survivors. I know that we're not specifically talking about the area of sexual abuse tonight. We're talking about um, the other areas of abuse, but it's, it's such my heart to see people um, learn who they are in Christ and get set free from situations in which they're being mistreated and I believe that's the heart of God as well that he has uh, he wants to see his children treat each other with with love and we'll get into scriptural basis um I'm sure later uh during the broadcast Montel, but um, those are my uh, clinical credentials. I'm, I'm also, by by the grace of God, a four-time uh, number one best-selling author. That's again all to His glory. I've written and co-authored four different books, uh, various topics: uh, comfort for the grieving, identity in Christ, which is a huge passion of mine. Um, my husband and I co-authored a book called Healing Words Together, and um, He's the Lord has just given us um, so many opportunities. We're currently. Uh, we moved permanently up to Door County, Wisconsin, and we run retreats out of our home, uh, free retreats for pastors, missionaries, and full-time ministry workers. So there's been different seasons um, in the ministry call, uh, but I continue to run my my private practice uh, via telehealth, uh, Skype, um, Zoom, et cetera. Um, and so that's uh, just kind of a summary um, of my experience and my credentials.
1: I know that you do great work with so many people and on your broadcast, The Way of Healing, you've really been a blessing to so many and it's really been helpful to people to be able to go on. Many people, sadly, many people's insurance won't cover things like going to a psychologist or some people, they Mm -hmm. might not have the means. So to have a program where you touch base on a lot of the issues that people go through, I know we've even been on and talked about suicide before, it's such a blessing to people. Susan, I want to thank you for that because one of my friends was actually suicidal and Mm -hmm. you were doing a, you were touching base on suicide and I shared that with her. In fact, I even shared that um, with you that it actually stopped her from taking her life. So that's why these broadcasts are so important because God. Because they do reach people. Even if we just reach one person, that that's important. And I know we reach mm-hmm. a lot more than that. God's blessed us to go all over the world on the radio. And we also have people that listen on demand. But I know when I was uh, getting prepared and talking to you, one of the things you had talked about um, starting off talking about was some statistics. And I always like to go yeah. with what you feel led in about intimate partner partner violence and what constitutes psychological and mental abuse. And because uh, I feel like it's yes. important to let you lead in this stuff. I'm here to ask questions and give, you know, perspective as a woman of God and even someone that's been through abuse myself from an early age, I can relate to a lot of this. So this is healing for me as well, mm-hmm. because it can take, it, it really can go into your adulthood from abuse from a child. And sometimes, like you yeah. just, you're amazed, mm-hmm. like sometimes you might just get a flash and it's like, where did that come from? But I want to give you the floor right, right, right. now and I want to let the spirit lead you and uh, just okay. let go and let God. And when I feel led to come in, I'll do that and we'll work together.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. I You know, I thought as I was in prayer about um, sort of where to begin, I thought it would be a good place to start with a definition of abuse because we hear that term a lot. And I wanted to kind of hone in on what that actually means and what it encompasses. Um, and then from there, I'm gonna go into um, different elements of uh, the aspects of abuse and the intimate partner violence. But um, in terms of a broad-based general definition of abuse, abuse can be seen as really taking unfair advantage of another person you know, for self-serving purposes in order to take control of someone else, or of their spirit, their intellect, their body, their heart. Um, so abuse, you know, whether of a child or of an adult, really can be verbal, it can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be psychological, and it can be sexual, like we referenced before, and even spiritual. And spiritual abuse is, is kind of its own its own topic, also, uh, for various reasons. Um, but we're going to be kind of looking mainly tonight at mental and verbal abuse and physical abuse um and and psychological and some of those terms are are used interchangeably mental and psychological um are used interchangeably at times but i will break the specifics down and i thought it would be helpful to start out with looking at the um, element of domestic violence as it uh, pertains to abuse and this term is now known as um, as the state of Montel IPV, which is intimate partner violence, um, and so this this can encompass you know domestic violence. I think people have a certain preconception of what that what that is, but intimate partner violence can be um, also amongst family members, um, and uh, of course it can be a husband and wife, or it could even be um a situation of two people that are in relationship but are maybe engaged and you know or boyfriend girlfriend um you know not living together or living together it's a broad based issue um and um it covers a lot of ground so i want to just give some statistics to start with um just in, for the united states there's uh more than 10 million adults experience Domestic violence each year, or intimate partner violence, I'll use the change, terms interchangeably. Um, so if you kind of think about this, if each of these adults experienced only one incidence of violence, an adult in the US would experience violence every three seconds. Um, but however, because of domestic violence is usually a pattern, a lot of people experience repeated acts of abuse. So an incident of, of abuse happens far more frequently than every three seconds. And I think just that alone you know, is really sobering to think about. Even now in the four or five minutes we've been talking here, if you, if you let your mind um, you know, go in the direction of how many people are being harmed during that time, it's just absolutely heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. Um, some, some further statistics, one in four women and one in ten men violent whether physical, sexual, or um, stalking, or uh, psychological violence in their lifetime with IPV-related impact, which intimate partner violence-related impact, such as being concerned for their safety. And like you mentioned, Montel, PTSD symptoms, um, injury of some kind, needing victim services, uh, maybe needing to file a TRO, which is a temporary restraining order, So these people have actually needed to take steps to keep themselves safe and protected. That's one in four women, 25% of women, and 10% of men have to go so far as to take steps or they are very concerned about their safety. Um, Approximately one in five female victims and one in 20 male victims need medical care after an episode of domestic violence. Female victims sustain injuries three times more often than male victims. One in five female victims and one in nine male victims need legal services and that kind of gets into when I said TRO, temporary restraining order, sometimes it has to even go beyond that to an attorney that would uh, um, issue a letter called a cease and desist and if that doesn't work to take things even further. Um, And then 23% of women and 13% of men have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner during their lifetime. So 23% of women is almost one in four, and 13% uh, of men have experienced severe physical violence. So um, between 2016 and now, today's date, um, this type of violence and these types of victimizations in our country has increased. 42%. 42%. And I think about the lockdowns and the quarantines and COVID and the, just the huge uptake and upsurge in uh, the frequency of domestic violence in the home and encompassing all sorts, verbal abuse and emotional abuse, abuse, the whole gamut, how, how what we've gone through as, as a nation and as a world this last year, how this has increased even more. This figure doesn't reflect the the percentage of uptake or, or upsurge in um, domestic violence because people uh, having, being under all of this stress, economic repercussions, physical repercussions, being home all the time, things have just really surged and uh, my practice has never been more, uh, I've never had um, a, a caseload that has been as severe as what I have now in terms of just the depth and the suffering people are going through in terms of not just abuse, but even depression and anxiety, which can contribute to what we're talking about tonight um, uh, as it pertains to um, all different types of abuse. So it's, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of just an increase in the uh, mental unhealth um, of our country and our world, and it's, it's just very uh, sobering to see this. Um, and it has been a, a very challenging year for so many uh, people that are going through so many challenges. And my heart just goes out to all of you listening that are going through um, anything that has, you know, been made worse by or caused by, or maybe is, is, is irrelevant to um, COVID and everything that, that that has brought along with it in terms of ramifications and implications. And please know that I, I pray for, for everyone who is in the listening range of what our program uh, is dealing with tonight. So um, just a couple more statistics and I'll get into the definitions and then we can go forward. Um, so on any given typical day, domestic violence hotlines receive over 19,000 calls nationwide. So that's 19,000 calls a day. And, and usually that's, those numbers are far below the uh, number of incidents actually occurring. Um, but still that's a substantial number. Um, an abuser's access to a firearm increases the risk of in- intimate partner uh, um, you know, lethal acts by 400%. Um, in 2018, uh, partner violence accounted for 20% of all violent crimes. That was in 2018, one in five um, was domestic violence issues. Um, Intimate partner violence is most common against women between the ages of 18 and 24. So I found that interesting in terms of the fact that um, a lot of these things are perpetuated upon victims at even teenage ages and and young 20s. Um, And 19% of intimate partner violence involves a weapon of some kind, not necessarily the firearm, but a weapon of some kind. So in terms of the impact of domestic violence, it's prevalent in every community. It affects people regardless of their age, their socioeconomic status, um, gender, race, religion, nationality. It doesn't discriminate at all in that way. This is about the human condition. It's not about a demographic. And um, in that in that way, it affects it can affect anyone. Physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior, and that's you know we'll we'll talk in, uh, much more about that shortly here. And that's part of a much larger um, pattern of dominance and control over another person. So there can be physical violence but it usually almost always starts out by emotional uh, abuse, verbal abuse, psychological abuse, and then escalates to physical violence. Very rarely does it start out at the level of physical violence, although it can, uh, but usually there's other elements that are there prior to that. Um, and the, consequence, the consequences of domestic violence can cross generations, and, and the effects can last for a very long time, Um, and that's why I think it's so important to seek help from from someone, uh, whether a professional or a pastor or someone that you trust. There is severe PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, that can occur as a result of being in um, an abusive relationship. There are many other issues that can come from being in in an abusive relationship, attachment issues, fear, trust, lack of trust fear of intimacy, it just crosses the whole, uh, you know, runs the whole gamut of uh, psychological and emotional damage that can be done um, to a person who's been in an abusive relationship. Um, and it's just so very sad. Uh, the other pieces that people tend to, to um, you know, defaultable and familiar for them, even though it, it is dangerous and to their detriment. So, we do see people, in my practice, I see people gravitating back towards, um, you know, the, the the partner that is that is abusing them, even though they know intellectually that they should not be there uh, because it's familiar, they continue to return. And there's other reasons they continue to return to uh, to that situation that I'll get into as well. But one piece that I want to explain in a little more depth because I think it's, Uh, frequently more misunderstood, is something called psychological abuse. And so I'm just going to read a definition and give a few examples here if I could, Montel. Um, Psychological abuse involves trauma to the victim that's caused by verbal abuse, acts, threats of acts, or coercive tactics, manipulative tactics. Perpetrators use psychological abuse to control or to terrorize and to denigrate their victims, to put their victims down. It frequently occurs prior to or concurrently with physical abuse. So again, these are are very rarely uh, just self-existent. They're usually uh, contemporaneous with other forms of abuse. So some examples um, of psychological abuse include humiliating the victim, in whatever form that may take, controlling what the victim can and cannot do. Um, Some of my patients that I work with are not permitted to do certain basic things, such as talk to members of their own family, for example. That's a form of psychological manipulation or abuse. Another form would be withholding important information from the victim. Um, deliberately doing something to make the victim feel diminished or embarrassed, so public humiliation, stating something to someone in front of a group of friends just to make them feel small, uh, to negate them, to invalidate them as a person, um, isolating the victim from friends and family, like I just said, so complete isolation where if they need if they want to talk to a friend they need to get permission to do so, um, denying the victim access to money or finances, or other basic resources, and some of this gets into real severe um, situations uh, involving um, being a victim, for example, of somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder, or uh, sociopathic or psychopathic uh, individuals, and I don't know that we'll go that deep, but um, a lot of abusers tend to have uh, personality disordered um, diagnoses, such as I mentioned narcissistic, or another personality disorder called antisocial personality disorder, which basically is someone that, that has zero empathy um, and can be extremely dangerous. So uh, another psychological abuse indicator is stalking behaviors, especially now on the internet and the ability to find people despite typing their address in, um, also stalking them on social media. Um, You know, this is something that's upticked as well with the uh, advance of technology. Uh, Just a few more examples, demeaning the victim um, in any way in public or in private, such as name calling. Um, Undermining the victim's confidence or sense of self-worth, this is huge. And this goes back to the reason, too, of why victims tend to stay in abusive relationships is because they have been made to feel that they're worthless. They've been insulted so many times, they've lost their sense of self. And so as a result of that, they feel, well, no one else will want me, at least I'm familiar with this, and and they lose their confidence and they lose their strength to get out of the relationship. Um, And then finally, the the last uh, attribute here that I have, psychological abuse, is convincing the victim that he or she is crazy by gaslighting and I think the term gaslighting has gotten a little more common in the um, you know the layman vernacular recently that could be my perception but gaslighting is a term that actually comes from a movie uh, the, a movie that's about eighty years old um, that involved uh, a man that tried to to cause his wife to believe that she was crazy and caused her to doubt her own perceptions. So um, without getting too in-depth into this, it's, um, it's really the strongest type of negation that you can do to a person so that they begin to self-doubt and to doubt their connection to reality. So um, an example of this might be something very simple such as, um, and I believe this came from the movies, wow, it's really warm in here, and and the, the the wife would say, and then the husband would say, no, my gosh, it's not. It's breathing. What are you talking about? And just, you know, that type of thing. And and the more that, you know, the, the victim of gaslighting would try to speak them to say, no, I really sense that this is the case, the more the perpetrator of gaslighting would say, well, you're crazy. You're, you, are you delusional? Are you not in reality? They, they literally – um, some people are so manipulative that they can, they can actually cause you to think that you are losing your grasp and your grip on reality. So in terms of psychological abuse techniques, that's probably the worst one I've seen and the most dangerous. And it usually comes via somebody who is, uh, like I said before, narcissistic or has a personality disorder um, that, that really thrives on manipulating and controlling another person. Um, So that's that's kind of my intro (laughs) Um, in terms of definitions um, and what these different types of abuse look like. Um, So I think from that standpoint, those are, you know, sort of the basic facts about what abuse is and what the different types look like. That's really scary to think
1: about someone actually be able to, to make someone believe that they're crazy. Um, My sister actually went through Mm -hmm. some things like that, and my sister went through a very, very abusive situation, and she stayed in it for over seven years, and he's actually trying to get her to go back again, and I keep telling her that's toxic. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do that. He's telling you he's changed, but you see these outbursts. But he always was making my sister... Feel like when he was the one doing wrong, um, like cheating on her, um, beating her, he always, was, she would call it, would flip it and make it feel like it was her fault. And he would make her start believing, her well, it's your fault. You deserve it. Yeah. And it really, truly wasn't. And I mean, it's actually changed her whole personality, Susan. Like, my sister's like, as soon as something comes up, she's on the defense because she's had to defend herself so many times. Mm that she doesn't want to give someone the opportunity to hurt her again. She's My sister has had a busted eardrum, um, a broken elbow, and a lot of the abuse she went through is why she was pregnant carrying my nieces. So it changed. Oh, wow. Like, my sister's a completely different person than what I knew growing up with her. She's still got a beautiful heart, but when it comes to someone coming against her or her girls or me or anybody in the family – I'm I'm not just saying this, like, she'll go from her, her, her reaction will go like from zero to 60 so quick. She's right ready to fight and defend herself. And people are telling my sister, you're mm-hmm. crazy. She's like, if you only knew what I've been through, because my sister has been to counseling. Well, my sister went through mental abuse, physical abuse, like she went through so mm-hmm. many different types of abuse. And it's still, it really is impacting her life today and her daughters because my nieces actually seen my sister get hit and beat and he would also because he was on drugs so bad at the time would verbally abuse my nieces and a lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Words hurt and break people down just as well and when you're in abusive situations yeah. mm-hmm. and there's children involved, like they're they're gonna learn from those things and you just it amazes me mm-hmm. of how it truly impacted my niece's life, Susan. They've had to go through counseling One of my nieces has been suicidal, and their dad's been in and out of prison. So I can relate to a lot of the stuff you're talking about. I went through abuse in my own life when I was younger, and at times I find myself like if someone's raising their hand to me a certain way, it may even be just a play. I'm I'm the same way. I'm ready to defend myself because Mm -hmm. I've I've been through Mm -hmm. those situations too. And another thing that I've learned um, in regards to a lot of people – that do abuse people, maybe it's physically, sexually, verbally. I've learned that a lot of people themselves have had that in their own life. And many times they Correct. just turn around and yeah. repeat what they've had done in their right. life. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to try to make it sound wrong or offend people. But in a in another aspect, I can have some sympathy for people because, you know, it's easy for us to want to cast judgment. It's easy easy for us to want to condemn, but many times mm-hmm. there's a reason and a place that that came from. So we really need to pray and ask God to help us not bring condemnation and judgment, but to realize, you know, we haven't walked in their shoes. Yes. I mean, what caused that enragement in them? It, it could be mental illness. It could be their own abuse, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the one of the things right. I was going to ask you. Is that a common thing that you see? In regards, I know it can be sexual abuse, it can be mental, physical, but many times does that not reflect from things they went through in their own life?
0: Yes, and that's an excellent point. Um, A lot of times people will repeat, like you said, what was modeled for them, um, either growing up or perhaps in some other type of relationship. But this is the cycle of abuse known. It's... um, Typically, uh, people aren't just born, uh, you know, with an abusive tendency, unless they have a certain, you know, severe psychiatric diagnosis, but um, if they were abused as children, as much as they may have hated it, they're repeating it because it's what they know, and um, that's where generational curses and family line assignments can come in here, and that's kind of a more of a spiritual, warfare-spiritual type of discussion that could be had as well at some point, but um, usually there is a, well, there's always a root cause. Sometimes the root is it was modeled for them. Sometimes uh, the root is that they were negated their whole lives and um, had no sense of who they were and um, had no sense of how to behave in a relationship or how to have a healthy attachment to another person. I mentioned attachment before. And in my field, um, there's something known as attachment disorder. There's different types of attachment issues that people can have um, that can also feed into uh, abu- the abuse of another person. So the roots of why a person becomes a perpetrator of abuse can run deep and they can be complex. And um, there are there are groups in this field, uh, support groups called perp groups, perpetrator groups that some of my colleagues have ran and they will deal strictly with the perpetrators of abuse to try to help them heal at their deepest level so that they can break out of their own cycle. And of course, there's, there's multiple um, you know, resources and groups for victims of abuse as well. Um, but coming out of um, the cycle of abusing others um, is something very difficult because they do gain a sense of power and control, and they're um, you know they're gaining their esteem off of being able to harm someone else and render someone else helpless, um, and that's a very difficult thing. Um, there usually has to be a, a long a process. I'm not going to say a long process. God can his timetable is is, is what trumps everything else, but. Um, of getting to the roots of their rage and their anger and their bitterness from what was typically done to them. and then when that can be resolved, they can go forward in freedom and not continue to perpetuate abuse on other people. but it's a very it's a healing journey it's a journey for sure.
1: Well I know one of the things that for a while my sister went through and I really want to I really want to say to people, don't think that you yourself can fix the person because even though Mm -hmm. you love them with all you have, you can direct them. They need professional help. And if you don't have the means and the knowledge and know how to deal with those situations, it it can become dangerous. Um, My sister almost lost her life a couple of times. So I really want to encourage people in that. It's good to love someone enough to try to stand with them as they get help and they try to change But if a person's not trying to change, they're not willing to get help, I I just truly believe it's Mm -hmm. better to get out of that situation until they do because you never know what level it's going to excel to. You never know. I mean, we see it a lot. You know, uh, people lose their life from abuse because sometimes Mm -hmm. it just completely takes the person's life over. So that's one of the things I want to encourage people, in don't get the attitude or think, hey, I can fix that person because, no, the, the, yeah. I've seen that in my sister's life. And I know that people can, a great point. can be mm-hmm. healed. Yes, people can be healed and they can change, but they have to have a willingness, Susan. They have to acknowledge, right. you know, hey, mm-hmm. I've got this issue. I've got this problem in my life. But if they're not willing to mm-hmm. do that, I would strongly suggest, that you get out of that situation because if they can't love themselves and they're not going to be able to love you the way they need to love you. And when they've got those, that many things going on, sometimes people can have blackout and not even truly realize what they're doing. And then when they come to, they're like, wow, what did I, what did I do? Because my sister went through that. Her husband would beat her so bad. He would black out in front of the kids he would truly not remember the things he did and he would see what he did to my sister. He's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did this. And that's why my, my sister finally Mm -hmm. did get to the point, um, where she walked away and left, but it wasn't easy. And he didn't make it easy for her, but she got the, she got help and counseling. She, she talked to the proper authorities to help her. There are people out there that Mm -hmm. can help you. And you're not alone. There are people you just – you have to yeah. know the people to call. And you have to be willing yourself yeah. to get help, too, because when you become a victim of abuse, it can change the person you are. And many times it's hard to break away from it because, like you said, Susan, they make you believe. Like my sister heard, you're fat, right. you're ugly, right. you're this, you're that. It's your mm-hmm. fault. She started believing that she was worthless. And then once she got away from her mm-hmm. or from him – she went to the pattern of getting the same kind of abusive bad boys. Like she fell into that. Is that another thing that's Mm -hmm. common? Like when people get out of an abusive situation, do they like continue to go to the same kind of
0: people? That can happen if they themselves don't get the healing that they need. If they themselves don't uh, realize um, and, you know, come to terms with what was done to them um, they can just continue to seek out that same type. And a lot of this, I, I, I want to make, a, I think, a really important point that it, a lot of this is subconscious. So subconsciously, we'll, we'll use your sister as an example. I'm not saying she, she is this way or anything. But subconsciously, um, they will choose that same type of person. And the subconscious mind is very powerful. <laughs> the subconscious mind wants to right all the wrongs it wants to correct the the bad relationship by entering into a new relationship that feels similar and, the, and this is like i said this is not on a conscious level but it's almost as if there's this pull towards that same type of person because subconsciously we want to make that wrong right we want to right the wrong and want to believe that somehow if i can just be successful in this next relationship then everything is going to be okay, and I'm going to be able to feel okay about myself. And that is the, the the sinister and insidious part of this is that, like you said, Montel, you cannot fix people, but people are subconsciously drawn to that certain type of person until they're made aware by a, a therapist or, a, a, like I said, someone that's in their support system that this tendency exists in them. And... Another piece I want to add, and then I'll kind of get it into your point more of verbal abuse, I had a few more things to say about that, is that when you are, you know, made to believe that you're a certain way and that you have no value, you're going to live down to that, uh, what was spoken over you. So when you're living from that place of defeat already and that, that place of being a victim already, it's it's very difficult without support and without help to sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is a phrase I, I really don't care for um, because so many people aren't even in the condition to recognize what it is that they're actually going through until afterwards, in retrospect, they can see, wow, I I went through all of this and all of this was done to me. and But in the moment it, at the time, it's kind of their they're normal. Um, they know it, they don't want to stay in it, but it's sort of what they're used to, and that's that's why people tolerate it. Um, a lot of perpetrators will look for people that are highly empathic. So empathy is something that um, is an attribute of a person who is very sensitive to the needs of somebody else. So in our field, we call them empaths, Um, different than sympathy. But um, empaths are people that are highly sensitive to other people's moods and emotions and want to be kind and giving and very altruistic emotionally. Victims, or I'm sorry, perpetrators tend to gravitate towards that exact type of personality. And then they wind up, uh, these empaths wind up being the victims because they are so they are sensitive, they're they're deep feelers, they care so much, they might love too much, you know, and then you get into the whole codependent relationship dynamics. But um, uh, perpetrators can be very uh, manipulative in terms of who they target, who they think are going to um, uh, submit to the control and the domination and uh, the abuse. So unfortunately, there is something called victim's eyes and there certain perpetrators can see in someone's eyes if they've been a victim previously. And when they pick up on that, however that is, I don't know, um, you know, then that person is re-victimized and re-victimized. And that's why you hear about re-victimization. It's nothing that the, the victim is doing wrong, but because of all the damage that has been done, there are some people evil and sinister enough to actually prey upon people that they know have already been damaged through abuse. Um, So that's another element that's not easy to talk about and probably not easy to listen to, but I think it's important to say that some perpetrators are not just wounded from their own childhoods, but they are actually – can be sinister and manipulative and devious um, for various other reasons as well. Um, So they may have let their wounds turn them into such a person, um, but some some perpetrators are very intentional about seeking out victims that they know are going to comply with their demands. Um, In terms of the verbal abuse, when you were telling me that your sister was told all of these things, to, to bring her down and denigrate and negate her. I just want to say a couple words about that real quick, if I could. You know, verbal, you know, we hear this phrase growing up, sticks and stones and they break my bones and names will never hurt me. That's absolutely false. In fact, the opposite um, is really true. It's the names, the name calling, the verbal abuse, the de- you know, the demeaning statements that do hurt a person and they stay with that person and they can create false belief systems in that person's mind. So name calling and putting someone down can have a devastating impact on an individual. Um, so, you know, just to kind of elaborate on that, it can be even more damaging in the long term than, than a physical blow in some cases, because the scars from verbal assault can last for years and years, and these are psychological scars that leaves people unsure of themselves, unable to recognize what their true value is. If they, they lose sight of their talents, their giftings, sometimes they're unable to even hold a job or adapt to the you know, activities of daily life. Um, and verbal abuse can be, um, go into the area of more subtle um, types of abuse like psychological. Verbal is kind of easy to pick out. Being called a name you can pretty sure that's verbal abuse and uh, can be certain of that. But um, when, it, when it turns that corner and becomes characteristic of some of those attributes I read about psychological abuse, um, it's harder to catch. And it's almost like putting a frog in that, that water and then turning up the heat and boiling the water. It's like you're in a situation where it's getting worse and worse, but you're not seeing it for as bad as it is because it's happening slowly over time. Um, but it's a, verbal abuse is especially painful when it comes from somebody that you think loves you. So in a situation of you know, intimate partner violence or your sister with a man that she believed loved her, it's, it's particularly um, impacting and painful. Um, and if, if the victims don't realize it for what it is, um, they might try to get the person who's putting them down, uh, and giving them orders and so forth, like you said, they may try to fix them, um, and uh, that only ends up in more of a cycle of, of rage and anger. And you mentioned the, blackout, the blackouts that the perpetrator would have. That's something that's pretty common. When rage takes over a person's mind and heart, and rage being the most energy-packed emotion that a, a human can experience is, is rage. Um, there's almost a flooding in the brain of uh, adrenaline and aggression that subdues all rational thought and interferes with memory and print. So you're exactly right when you say the abusers don't remember what happened. It's because of the neurophysiological changes in the brain when someone is acting from a platform of, of rage, and just an influx of pure aggression that, that will interfere with how they remember or even if they remember a particular event. Um, the same thing happens on the flip side <laughs> uh, for the victim, but for different reasons. In the victim, there's fear, and fear results in an, uh, an influx of adrenaline and cortisol. It puts a person in the fight-or-flight response. So. In the example of your sister, maybe there were times she tried to flee. Maybe there were times she tried to fight back but couldn't because of uh, a strength um, differential or whatnot. There's another term now in this field, not just fight or flight, but fight, flight, or freeze. So some people, when they're under abuse, in in an abusive situation, I should say, will just freeze. And in that case, what happens to them can be even more devastating because that can lead to a person just to completely check out emotionally, and then they can do something called dissociate. Um, dissociating is pretty much you're leaving um, in your mind to keep yourself alive. Your mind splits off to keep you alive, and that's a whole, whole nother discussion for a different time. But um, if you have to endure abuse, you can't flee and you can't fight back, and you're frozen in that abuse, your mind will split off as a way to keep you alive. God designed it that way. The problem happens down the road if a person develops something called dissociative identity disorder. Um, And this is where their soul is so fragmented that, Some people know it as multiple personality disorder, but the soul becomes so fragmented that they can't live their life in a cohesive way. They've got periods of time they can't remember. They've got all kinds of other issues that come along with DID. So that's, I'm giving an extreme example here of somebody who's been under prolonged severe abuse for a lengthy period of time. Um, So that's another effect besides PTSD um, that can happen. From being under prolonged abuse, be it uh, physical, emotional, psychological, verbal, sexual, etc. Well, I know when
1: my sister was going through it all, I've seen this confident, beautiful, vibrant woman that went almost to a shell of nothing for the longest time, and then, then it turned around opposite, and it actually got to a point where he said, "You're crazy," and I'm starting to be scared of you. And um, I, that's the truth because she became a fighter, Susan. Like I have to, I have to tell her sometimes mm-hmm. too because she wants to react sometimes out in public to people that upset her. And I tell her, "You can't do that." Yeah. And she has been to counseling and stuff, but she's still working through stuff because it was so many years of abuse like her like i said her first thing is she wants to defend herself she's like i'm not going to let no one hurt yes. me
0: yes. i'm not
1: going to let no one hurt mm-hmm. my my babies and and but with everything mm-hmm. she's been through i can truly understand because i was i've seen everything she went through and she would used to hide yeah. from her family because she would be beaten so badly she didn't want my dad to see because she didn't want my dad getting involved she knew he would per you know protect her but he was you know when my my dad was well, pretty much in his 60s when she was going through a lot of the abuse. And I keep praying that she won't go back to her ex-husband. He's mm-hmm. wanting my sister to remarry him. He's been in prison for almost five years now. Um, he has been getting help and counseling, but I'm still seeing outbursts. And even his daughters mm-hmm. are saying we've been without him so long, it would be different. And he still tries to control my sister in a lot of ways. And so be pr- I've, mm-hmm. I'm praying for her that God will direct her and I'm approaching her in love, mm-hmm. but I still see him trying to manipulate and, and bring my sister back mm-hmm. in. And I told her, honestly, I feel like it'd be toxic for both of you that it'd be a bad situation. And that's like mm-hmm. a lot of the things you've been talking about. I truly see my sister go through in her own life because you can try to break mm-hmm. away from these people. And it makes it even harder when you have children with people and when you've been through yes. abuse. Mm-hmm. And that does make it a little bit different scenario but um right, it just it's totally amazing to see what abuse can do to a person, and you have to be willing to help yourself mm-hmm. and and you, like I said, if you see they're not willing to help themselves, I truly encourage a person don't stay in that situation, and many times, too, a mm-hmm. lot of people want to think it gets pointed a lot toward men being an abuser, but there's a lot of women Mm -hmm. out there that abuse and hurt men just the same as men. It It can go either way, like you was talking about. I know a lot of people, as soon as you think of domestic Mm -hmm. violence or sexual abuse, they want to think of a man. But in all honesty, Mm -hmm. there's abusive women out there just the same. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. That's a very good point. It goes both ways. And we're talking you know, generally about perpetrators, and and people are probably – um, thinking of men in their minds, but you're absolutely right. Like From the statistics I read in the beginning, I think it was one in nine uh, men have undergone this type of uh, this type of abuse. You know, any number of these four or five types that we're talking about, one in nine men. So you're absolutely right. It's a two-way street. And I wanted to add one more thing to your comment about how your sister became a fighter. That raises a really interesting concept because people tend to go one of two ways. After they've been abused, they tend to either go the route of um, just staying in a victim mentality and becoming very passive and sort of feeling like, well, the whole world is against me, I'm never going to succeed. And they, they tend to then uh, isolate and get depressed and they, they kind of let the fight go out of them, if you will. The other side of that coin is your sister in the sense that she has become a fighter. Now, that fighter in her is probably the strength that kept her going, you know, for as long as it has. Um, But that's also the piece where, like you said, you have to try to help her balance that because if she's snapping at somebody in the street or whatever and you're seeing that rage spike, that's the other effect that can happen to a victim of abuse. So they either tend to go the passive route, where they isolate or they tend to become aggressors themselves. And I'm not saying that she's abusing anyone, but they tend to get on the defense because that's what they're used to having to do. And there you can see how that cycle would perpetuate itself down through generations in perpetuity. If there's, let's say, a father that abuses a son who then has his own kids and he abuses his kids and those kids, you know, abuse theirs. And it, it, it can continue until we draw the bloodline of Christ and, and ask for healing, um, but you can't change what you don't acknowledge. You have to engage your will, just like your sister's ex-husband. He needs, to, if he's in therapy, that's great. He needs to keep engaging his will and acknowledge um, that you know he that this is a huge issue, and to be willing to put, invest the time and energy because healing is hard work, especially in this area. <laughs> this is a very difficult thing to recover from. On, on both ends um but god gives us hope and if it's okay i just kind of want to um, go into a little bit about what scripture has to say about relationships and give people some tools for um boundaries and and what to do in terms of safety uh, but i thought if we, we kind of transitioned into um what god's view of, of this type of thing is and give people some scriptures it might be a good time just to uh to bring some light into a discussion that can, can oftentimes be uh, pretty dark and pretty dismal. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to, to transition to that for the moment. Yes,
1: that's fine, Susan. One of the scriptures I think of is Proverbs 18:21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall be mm-hmm. the fruit thereof. And that's a powerful yes. scripture yeah. right there within itself because, yeah. Our words really, truly can bring life or death to a person. It doesn't, there, you have to have an understanding of what that scripture means. And, uh, but that is a really powerful, powerful scripture. And I think it's great that, because that's yeah. what we want to focus on, that you're wanting to transition is about healing and hope because there is healing and hope found yeah. in Jesus
0: Christ. Praise God. That's exactly right. And, you know, relationships are never to be used as a means to selfish ends. And um, instead, as a channel of God's love to others, and we could go into all the verses on love and all of that, but I I don't think we've got the time to do that. Um, But most abuse stems from somebody using power in order to attain or keep something that he or she deems essential. So power always carries a responsibility to the powerless. And one of God's indictments of Israel, if we look back, um, to the Old Testament was that Israel oppressed the helpless And Jeremiah talks about That in uh, chapter 7 Verses 5 through 7 So the powerful Have accountability And a responsibility to protect The weak with their power Not exploit them And so what we're seeing in an abusive Situation is the opposite of What the Lord wants for a person Not to use power To um, to, by their to get their own needs met, but rather um, to protect those that are weaker. And I'm not saying a victim is weaker. A victim is the recipient of someone's horrific behavior. But in the sense of this example of Israel, there was there's accountability that comes with power. A lot of abusive relationships exist because of a power differential. It could be a father daughter. It could be a mother son. So a parent child, the parent has the power. It could be a boss and an employee. So there's that power differential that often and we're hearing it on the news about different politicians and so forth, so I won't get into that. That there has been what is termed legally an abuse of power. So people can get very power hungry. And the Bible has a lot to say about that topic. And so that's one piece that I wanted to share just in terms of the Lord's heart about this, this whole issue. Also, you know, every abusive word or action from one person to another violates God's love of people and of relationships. So it's, it's as if the abuser turns the other into like a lightning rod for his rage or, or, or her rage over feelings of powerlessness. The person wants to dominate and, and to use that power over that powerless victim. Um, I want to say something here about reconciliation because a lot of people think, you know, and your sister is kind of in the midst, but, but her abuser is wanting to reconcile, it sounds like. This is a really tricky um, scenario because reconciliation, I personally, in my opinion... Should not be a possibility um, if there is not fruit of repentance in the perpetrator's life. So, what I mean by fruit of repentance, it's not just saying I'm sorry, I regret it, I I promise I'll change, I promise it'll never happen again, you know that type of thing. It's actually the action piece of it. The behaviors are different. You're seeing um, a, all of a sudden. the the perpetrator is stopping himself from getting angry you're seeing um loving kindness you're seeing patience coming out of this person so that's those are some examples of fruit of repentance to kind of know, know because the bible says we'll know them by their fruit and so in a situation like this if you really want to know if a perpetrator has changed his heart and has submitted to christ then you have to look for those actions those behavioral characteristics Um, to see if they've truly repented. And repenting means to change your mind about something and go in the opposite direction of it. So um, just to kind of give a little bit more on how this relates in Scripture, um, that um, God in his pursuit of you and I through Christ, he modeled the values that he put on intimate, upright relationships. God pursues us. He pursues us for a holy relationship with him. And he highly values us, his creation, people. And so we should also in turn value other people. People have tremendous value to God, so much so that he sends his son to die for them. And so if we're really truly trying to be imitators of Christ and live the Christian life and not just talk about living it, we would not treat one another with, uh, anything that would be harmful, but instead we want to, um, you know, follow after God with his love and affection towards those precious creation that he's created. So love is, is a persistent, unconditional commitment to the well-being of another person. It esteems another person. The person who loves holds that other person in such a high position that he or she would never even think of making them a target of abuse. Um, and I just want to read 1 Corinthians 13.5 here um, because I believe it's applicable. Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Um, and so this this verse really portrays love as a wise restraint of, you know, selfish desire, if you will. Um, and this would certainly include the desire or the craving for power um, of of a perpetrator of an, of an abuser at someone else's expense. And that's really what is so central to the abuser's actions. Um, so some other scriptures just to help those listening that might be struggling in this situation, maybe are in the midst of survi- trying to survive an abusive situation, um, would be Romans 12:17 and 19. And that says, and this is God saying this, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, another one that comes to mind is Exodus 14:14. 14. 14. Um, I will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, in a situation of, of, that's not to say be still and sit in the middle of an abusive situation, but the emphasis I'm putting on is the first part of that verse, which says um, that I will fight for you. If we turn a situation over to God, he will make a way out for us. He will fight for us. We have to do what we need to do to keep ourselves safe, and I I want to get into that if we have time briefly. But um, it's the Lord himself that will avenge the evil that was done to a person and will fight on our behalf to get us out of a situation where we are being unjustly harmed. Um, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, and then also 12 through 17 it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This applies to somebody who's come out on the other side of abuse and is trying to work through forgiveness of a perpetrator. I believe it also applies to a perpetrator who needs to forgive the person that that possibly caused, uh, led to his behavior um, of harming others because Perhaps he was harmed himself, and that's the case 90% of the time. People who are abused will abuse. Um, Romans 8 um, talks about God working all things for the good of those who love him. Some of these are hard pills to swallow right now because if you're in the midst of a a situation where you're being harmed, how can you possibly think God's going to work any good out of it? It will happen. It doesn't always happen right away, but this is his promise, and it will happen. Um, I also love the verse that says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Um, That's also Romans 8. James 4, 7 through 10 says, come near to God. He'll come near to you. Micah 6, 8 says, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And then Psalm 40 in part states that, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And I guess on that, with that verse, cry out to God. He hears. He's seeing what you're going through. He's hearing your cries. He will come to your aid. And that, you know, I think it's so important just to instill hope that when you know that you have a God to turn to, that you can cry out to him and he will help you. Now I realize a lot of people listening or some portion of people listening may not have that relationship with God. And, and to really look at the ultimate source of healing, we need to look to God. But there are also steps that, that people can take to keep themselves safe um, while they are trying to remove themselves from a situation that could uh, potentially, like you said, Montel, end up in the worst-case scenario Um, of death, and and that's where, if I could just mention some practical steps of safety here and setting boundaries um, and then instilling a sense of hope um, as a person would try to get out of a situation like this. Um, In terms of safety, um, there are some suggestions I have um, that range kind of the whole gamut of situations here, so I'm just going to try to I'm going to throw out a bunch of suggestions and then take what's valuable um, for you in your particular case. You'll need a support system, people that you can trust. Uh, perhaps a safe haven, a, a safe place that you can go. There are safe houses. There are domestic abuse shelters. There are hotlines to call that will direct you to those shelters. There are online resources, just in the hundreds of thousands for people that are in abusive relationships um, that you can go for support, that you can go for um, plans to um, to remove yourself from that situation before it escalates even further. Um, as I mentioned before, filing a temporary restraining order on someone, removing yourself from a situation that could eventually wind up in severe uh, physical and emotional damage is so important not to say, under that and if the perpetrator wants to get help and healing and and has fruit of repentance that's a whole nother discussion in terms of reconciliation but at the time when you're being abused the important piece is to remove yourself from that situation and whether it's going to stay with a family member a loved one a friend a, a domestic abuse shelter until that person can get the help that they need that is so important and and now with cell phones too i mean they can be good, used for good or evil, um, but, you know, blocking phone numbers, blocking a person from social media sites, you know, if you're being stalked, um, doing the things you need to do on your phone, turning off the GPS tracking. A lot of perpetrators will take advantage of cell phones. They'll, they'll uh, turn on functions on their victim's phone so that they always know where that, that person is at all times. It's just horrific now what can be done in terms of surveillance issues um, on on victims, and so you have to also go to someone maybe that has some tech tech you know tech, uh, technological knowledge of how to uh, make sure that you or your phone does not have all these settings turned on because a lot of these people are very clever. They'll take a phone when the victim isn't around and they'll turn on all these settings and pretty soon the perpetrator will show up at the workplace or the perpetrator will show up at the coffee shop, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen via the abuse of technology. Um, So you have to be very uh, aware of these things um, and then take the appropriate steps um, to combat that and stay safe. And this is not an exhaustive or comprehensive list by any means. Um, But again, if you feel threatened and you continue to be threatened, don't take that lightly. If, if, If your abuser is threatening that he's going to kill you, don't take that as, oh, he just said it because he was angry. That's a threat. That's a threat. And threats need to be taken very seriously because assault in these relationships is so common. And assault can lead to um, severe assault, which can lead to the worst-case scenario. You might need to change locks on a home, add deadbolts. Um, you might want to safeguard firearms, sharp objects, weapons, that kind of thing. It depends on oh, – I know all the situations are different, so I'm trying to give blanket advice for <laughs> very specific situations, which which is hard to do, but I'm hoping that some of the stuff I'm floating out there is going to stick and be helpful to you. Um, and above all, if you're in imminent danger and you feel imminently threatened, absolutely go to the authorities and call the authorities and call 911. Um, and get yourself out of that situation or call the authorities to um, the home or wherever the, the abuse is occurring. Um, and if children are involved, they need to be taken to a safe place. They need to be removed. Like you said, Montel, when children are involved, becomes more complex because for them to witness this type of thing has tragic implications. I work with so many patients that are now adults that witness domestic violence in the home, parent to parent, and just the damage that it did, you know, at that young of an age when they aren't able to express themselves is just, it's unthinkable. Um, so the the Lord desires to protect the weak, but we need to also take steps to get ourselves out of situations. And by weak, I don't mean it by any means that victims are weak, but rather they're forced into a position of weakness by a perpetrator if they're being assaulted. The Lord desires to protect them. Um, and he also gives us the wisdom to remove ourselves from those situations as soon as possible, especially when imminent danger is there. Um, setting boundaries is important. Um, if, if you're in a, in a situation that hasn't escalated uh, and you, you still believe things can work out. You have to set very firm boundaries. If somebody uh, is a, assaults you or begins to demean you or, or abuse you emotionally, mentally, psychologically, you need to set a boundary immediately. Don't wait till it happens 15 more times. The more you allow it, the more it's enabled and the, the more you're kind of teaching the perpetrator that it's okay to treat you that way. Healthy boundaries are huge if the situation looks like it can be resolved. If it's imminent danger, forget it. The, your boundary is getting out. But if you're in a situation where you're starting to see some tendencies in, in your partner, your spouse or whatnot, that are um, making you feel denigrated and demeaned, that needs to be called out right away. And you may need to do some, some couples therapy, some mar- marital therapy, um but setting healthy boundaries from the outset is the best defense if you will future uh, abusive behaviors of all kinds um because you're then telling the person I will not settle for this I will not and if it continues this is done so that's kind of one um one of the things I wanted to state about healthy boundaries set early on in a relationship that's going in a in a negative direction Um, So in terms of just sort of wrapping up Montel, I want to make sure I've hit everything that's important uh, to you also before um, we go into the conclusion. So is there anything else that you had wanted me to address specifically or that you wanted to discuss?
1: No, you've covered all the bases and I think we really, got a a lot of information out there tonight, and I thank you for always doing such an amazing job in the way that
0: you teach in a love and respecting way. Well, glory to God. I I give him the glory for that. I know this has been a a very difficult topic (laughs) to tackle, but I believe that that's what these Healing Hope Shows do for people, and that was our, our vision, and especially yours, Montel, that that these shows would would address the issues that are difficult um, to discuss and that sometimes don't get discussed, and that's to the detriment of people who are in them. If 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 we as believers aren't talking about this, and if nobody is talking about how to handle this, um, you know, and how to deal with it, and what God's word says about it, then we're God's God's word says, "My people perish for lack of knowledge." So I'm hoping that what we're sharing is is informative and it's also giving hope. And really our hope is in Christ. You know, that's kind of, I guess, where I wanted to land is that, yes, we can hope that the person will change. Your sister can hope that that her ex-husband will change. But ultimately we need to put our hope in Christ because if we put our hope in another person, that that leads to all kinds of disappointments at the very least. We can – You know, in a healthy relationship, yes, there can be a level of hope in another person, but I'm talking about abusive relationships. We can't put our hope that they're going to absolutely change and never never revert back. Our hope needs to be in Christ, and that no matter what happens with that person, if we're looking to Christ and our hope is anchored in him, that's where we can operate from a platform of being victorious. No matter what happens on the other side of the relationship, our hope needs to be in him and that he's got control of it he is sovereign and that he will um, fill voids in our life um, and heal us and bring um, all sufficiency to us and to people that have gone through abuse. His healing power is very real, and his healing power, power is thorough. It is, he is our Jehovah Rasha, God, our healer. He wants to heal all the emotional wounds. He wants to heal the intellectual, the uh, mental uh, hurts he wants to heal, the physical pain, the spiritual abuse, the sexual abuse. He's our healer for all those things. By his stripes we're healed. By his stripes we're healed. He bore all of that for us, not so that we could stay in a state of misery and defeat, but so that we could, through him, gain our lives back and be able to live in victory for him and for his glory. And so... I think just on that note, um, to focus not necessarily on on uh what can change in the relationship, but ultimately focusing on Christ, what he wants to do in you and have him be our hope of glory.
1: Amen. Well said, Susan, and it it gives me hope knowing that my strength is in Christ and in my weakness, his strength is perfected. And I cry out to him many days in many areas of my life. And I know that he does heal mm-hmm. brokenness. And, and as we come mm-hmm. out of things that we've been through, we can see his faithfulness as well. And yes. God is a good, good father. And we have to realize mm-hmm. that it's not about religion. It's about a personal relationship. And we get to a point we can Amen. truly view him as our Father and Jesus as our Savior, that he's up there interceding for us when we pray. That, that's, that's a beautiful thing to me, knowing that Jesus, that loved us so much, gave his life, and God loved us so much, he sent his only son. That is truly where our hope is. And it's, it's okay. truly not just for the victims, but like you said, the perpetrators. We need to be praying for them for healing, for hope for evil spirits to be broken Mm -hmm. off of their life, because it's not, it's not all just in the physical. We're also dealing with spiritual issues as well. And you have touched based on many of those things. And I think, you know, this could even, like you said, this is a broadcast that could be broke down into so many different areas because Mm -hmm. it's so complex. It covers so many things. And even mm-hmm. maybe sometimes I, I think my sister would have a willingness, you know, to come on and talk about how it impacted mm-hmm. her life, how it changed her life, hearing firsthand from a yeah. victim of abuse. And because, right. like, I'm amazed. Yeah. Like, my, my nieces sometimes even get scared. My sister has no fear anymore, Susan. Like, I'm not just exaggerating that. There was a, a – mm-hmm. our town is getting bad with drug traffic drug trafficking, gun violence. It's very, uh, like back in the day, you hardly heard of it, but it's taken over our town. And there was a car Mm -hmm. there. It was actually an SUV full of people from the city that were, they were packing guns and various things. And they were in a hurry and ran my sister off the road. My sister followed them because their girls were in the car and Mm -hmm. they stopped. And my sister was going up in this big man's face with guns in the vehicle and her daughters were screaming that's wow. how much it's changing my sister she had no fear in that moment isn't all she was thinking if she told them was i thank god for protecting her but all she was thinking about yes. is you almost took my baby's life you almost hurt me she was protecting and that's the thing i've seen change most in her life like it's just like she gets no fear like she gets this look in her eyes and she doesn't think about anything else. Like, it's instant. I've got to protect myself. i got to protect my girls. And that's mm-hmm. a real thing in her life. It truly is. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm glad I'm with her sometimes because it can get, like you said, to a level where it can become dangerous because, in a sense, she blacks mm-hmm. out not thinking. And she never knows, mm-hmm. you know, that those people had guns in the car. Thank God for his protection that day. Yeah. But they they were actually yeah. known <laughs> affiliated gang members. But she didn't care. Like Mm -hmm. she was like, you, you cut me off. You ran us in the ditch. You almost took, you know, that's all she was thinking about. And that's a real thing. Like the things you're saying are so true. It's not just, I know some people don't understand psychology, but the mind Mm -hmm. amazes me. Mm -hmm. It's really an in-depth thing. And it amazes me how God created us. Like you said, to want like for that instinct in our brain to come in, to want to protect us, because I have truly Mm -hmm. seen my sister become a different person. And maybe sometime we can have her to come on here, or maybe there's even anybody else Mm -hmm. that would like to talk about their experiences, because I think it's important to keep it real with people and let them hear it from a perspective of people that's been through it. And also from perpetrators that have been healed, delivered and set free and changed their life. Because like you said, it Mm -hmm. starts with repentance and that's what I told my sister. And even in my own personal relationship in the past things I went through with my husband that you're aware of, I told my husband, don't Mm -hmm. tell me you love me, show me. Because you can tell me Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. But those become words to me. When I'm not seeing the change, I'm not Mm going to believe it because people can just speak words. But to me, actions speak louder than words, and you was touching base on that. So as you were saying, that's Mm -hmm. important in many situations. Make sure that they are bearing good fruit. Make sure that they are putting yeah. in the work to change. Because in my relationship, my husband did put in the re- the, the work to change, and I'm seeing the fruit. But many times people mm-hmm. will just speak out empty words, Susan, because they, they right. think that the they suck you in. and empower- Yes. So I encourage people mm-hmm. in that as well. But I'm just so blessed by the program tonight. I'm going to encourage my sister, too, to go back. And listen, and just so our listeners know as well, I do have permission from my sister to talk about her journey because she wants to reach other women and men as well that are going through abuse because it's not mm-hmm. it's not an easy journey. Like, it, it, it truly is not an easy thing for people to endure. And she wants to encourage right. people to get help for themselves mm-hmm. and for the person that they're with because many times sadly it could end up in a loss of life or even suicide. Yes. So it can go different right. ways. So right. I really thank you tonight I have for a,
0: your time. Yes. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, you're welcome. I just had I'm sorry, I just had one uh, one thing the Lord impressed upon my heart just as you were talking and this is a piece that we didn't that I didn't really um, address, but you know, the, just the word dignity, how God wants to restore the dignity of those that have been abused, and so broken, and he wants to remove their shame, they, the shame does not belong on them. But when a person is an abuse victim, shame is always there. It's been put on them by the perpetrator, or they've been demeaned so much that they're feeling a sense of shame. They, they were probably told, shame on you, which is my least favorite Phrase in the entire vocabulary of mankind. It's so detrimental. It's so damaging, and and I was just sensing that the Lord wants to restore the dignity, and dignity is really what you know—a sense of security, tranquility, value, um, founded on you know the God's purposes for us in life, and and when we know our identity in Christ, which you know Montel is a huge, huge passion of mine is helping people know who they are in the Lord. That can really help in a situation like this if a person is starting to notice behaviors in their 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 partner, whatever situation, um, that they remember who they are in the Lord and they don't need to come under that shame and sacrifice or forfeit the dignity that God gives us as human beings with value. And I was just sensing that. You know, um, just to, to take off that cloak of shame and allow the Lord to replace it with a robe of righteousness, just to know that you are righteous, the Lord sees you as righteous, and that you don't need to walk around with a cloak of shame. No matter what a person has done or said to you, that is not who you are, and you don't have to be defined by that. You're defined by who God says you are. And that's a a priceless, precious person of such high value and of dignity and worth. And I just wanted to say that that that's um, something that the Lord just showed me for anyone who might be wrestling with shame, which is something that also comes along with this so often.
1: Amen, that is so true. And I, I know firsthand, even not only just from um the perspective of someone that was a per, per perpetrator, I'll get the words out, and a victim. I know my husband he went through a lot of feeling guilty and shame himself in things that he did. Mm-hmm. It can impact it can impact a perpetrator yes. and a victim. So and that's Absolutely. when I truly knew yep. that God was working in his life. I truly seen it. So I just encourage everyone mm-hmm. tonight to please, please share the broadcast. Also, on the homepage Mm -hmm. of Reaching Out Radio International here on Blog Talk, you can go to the homepage and scroll down. And all of our programs are on demand. We have close to 600 episodes now, praise be to God.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping to
1: get a a schedule worked out, even for myself. I miss being on the radio. But as many of you know, I have my sweet little Noah. Praise God, our adoption. Mm -hmm. God worked in mighty ways, and Noah legally became our son on February the 25th, three days before his first birthday, glory to God. And um, we're just thanking God for that. God did some amazing Mm -hmm. things and he could move mountains. You would never even imagine. Everything was in God's Mm -hmm. perfect Mm timing and God made a way for us. So I Mm -hmm. praise God in that, but that's part of the reason I'm not on the radio as much as I used to be. I want to be, and as he gets a little bit older, it's a little bit easier but right now he he takes a lot of care, and it's the scheduling can be hard, but I do plan on having more programs on and getting back to having you know more people on. I have people waiting to be on guest and but go check out Susan's program um the Way of healing. just scroll down. she's touched base on so many topics. And then we've done interviews as well about her best-selling books, number one author. i got to brag on my sister, okay? Glory to God, because <laughs> that's an honor. Glory to God. And um, that's a favor <laughs> of God in your life, and that's, that's the truth, because mm-hmm. God will bless his children. We have to put in the work many times, but when we put in that work and we walk by faith, God does bless us and reward us. Praise God. But check mm-hmm. us out, mm-hmm. and uh, it's free to listen. It's free to listen on demand. You can download the episodes maybe you you maybe you maybe need to listen to him more than once because in the world that we're living in, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah. it's scary. It's a different world. And Susan even has done programs in helping to cope with things during COVID. And, you know, she touched base on how mm-hmm. many, how the suicide rates went up. Like, we live in a completely different time and world than so when I was my children's age. Yeah. When I sit and reflect back to where I was back then and to now, it's like, wow, God, look how things have changed. But when we get into Mm -hmm. a biblical perspective, we do line up with the Word of God. God prepared us. God, you know, He teaches us. That's why it's important to be in the Word and apply God to all areas of our life. And that's what I love Mm -hmm. about Susan. Um, She truly is a Christian psychotherapist. She doesn't just do the work of a licensed therapist but she truly does apply the word of god to her practice and to her people's lives she has a heart for healing and hope for people Mm -hmm. and she loves people generally with the heart of jesus and that's why i love you so much susan because you're Mm -hmm. an amazing woman a very talented woman but you stay humble and you love people and that's i truly believe that god God bless you you so much and uh, i love working Mm -hmm. with you and it's like wow the time flew again tonight like Mm -hmm. sometimes you think well (laughs) <laughs> what will we do, what will we touch base on, but when the Spirit leads and you just let go,
0: mm-hmm. God just
1: let that time yes. go by, but is there anything else that you have in closing as we get ready to go, if not um, I'll have you praise out and I have a song that I'm going to play as we get ready to go out, I think it's very fitting for us when we're talking about mm-hmm. healing and hope because He is my hope, I know that, praise be to God He's my all in all
0: and He's yeah. kept me through so many things in my life Amen. I would be honored to pray us out and uh, and your song at the beginning also I just thought was so beautiful and so suited to what we discussed tonight. So I just hope that um, what Montel and I conveyed tonight is uh, will bear good fruit uh, for all those listening and, and they will instill that hope that they don't have to stay in this situation and also hope for those who are Uh, perpetrating the abuse that they can change our God is bigger than all of it and he has the transformational changing power via his Holy Spirit so I'll just pray Father God we just thank you so much Lord for this opportunity Lord um, to um, share your word and your hope and your truths and um, to give information and, and instruction as and wisdom as directed by you Lord God to all those listening, uh, different parts of the world, Lord God. You know each person's situation. You know what's going on in their hearts. You know what aspect of this broadcast they needed the most. And so I just pray, Lord God, that you would feel the work that you've done here tonight, Lord God. Feel the words that have been spoken that the enemy wouldn't be able to come back and and take them away or bring doubt or poke holes in their or or try to um, interfere in any way with what went forward here tonight on this broadcast, Lord God. But I just pray that it would continue, Lord. It would just be the beginning for people to um, begin to understand this topic and begin to, um, beyond that, uh, be set free um, from damaging relationships, Lord God, on both ends of that spectrum, Lord God. That this program will be a catalyst, Lord, that you use to bring healing, um, and to bring, um, Lord God, freedom and growth, and that that anyone who has gone through, like Montel's sister, this type of situation, that it would be uh, a voice of hope for others going through it themselves, Lord God, um, so that people can hear and know and see the actual changes that can happen, Lord, and the way that you heal would be evident, Lord God, and that we would put our hope in you, and I just pray that you would just bless and comfort and protect all uh, within the listening range of this broadcast. I pray your blessings and con- continued favor and anointing upon Montella, everything that she does, Lord, to spread your word across this world, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done tonight, and we thank you for what you will do in hearts and lives going forward. We just ask all this now in your glorious and holy name. Amen.
1: Amen. Praise be to God. We thank you again all so much for taking time out to listen to Susan and I's Healing Hope broadcast. And we just want you to be encouraged to know that God loves you so much that he gave his only mm-hmm. son for you. And John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish that have everlasting life. And I want to point out that whosoever, brothers and sisters, we have no right to pick and choose. We got to love people like Jesus. We got to reflect Jesus. And as they see Jesus yes. in us many Amen. times, it will bring them in. Look upon people with the eyes of Jesus and truly search their heart. And let's just pray that God could use us to bring healing to their lives, to bring hope to their lives, that they may know Jesus. I see this shirt earlier today. I loved so much. It says, make heaven crowded. Praise God. Let's do that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> and I think of that song. I thank that. you. Um I love that song. Thank you. My pastor sings it a lot. But when you get to heaven, <clears throat> people that you didn't even know that you reached are telling you, thank you. Praise God. I weep on that song mm. because we never know in what we're doing, who's watching or who we're, who we're witnessing to. We may be the only Bible that people read And we got to remember when people look at us, are they truly seeing Jesus as us as believers? So I just want to encourage you tonight, no matter how down you are, no matter what your past is, what you're going through, God loves you so much as the verse just said that he sent his son to die for you. Just repent, seek him, reach out, and he will be found. The enemy will try to tell you and lie to you and tell you you're done too much, you're too far gone, but that's not true. Just Receive Jesus mm-hmm. as your Savior, as long as there is a breath in you, brothers and sisters, there is hope because with that breath, you can yeah. ask for forgiveness, you can call upon Jesus, find him why he can still be found brothers and sisters. Susan, and I love mm-hmm. you all so much. I know before long mm-hmm. we're getting ready to come mm-hmm. up on uh the easter the Easter weekend celebrating the resurrection and life of our Lord and Savior Jesus, so be reflecting on that too, brothers and sisters, the true sacrifice and the message of the cross. Mm-hmm. And I want to go out with the song. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the song. I've seen Crowder in concert many times, but I know for me, it's one of the testimonies in my life and it is all my hope is found in Jesus. I love you, Susan. God bless you, sister. Love May he continue to give you strength. Pray for Susan and I both because mm-hmm. we both have a lot on our plate. We both came in tonight Mm -hmm. with not a lot of rest, being tired, but I feel strengthened, praise God. I I felt the anointing power. You did an amazing job tonight, Susan. So um, we love you all. God bless you. Remember, don't back down when God is backing you up. Everyone have a very blessed night. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Reaching Out Radio.